Well, good morning again, everyone. I want to start this morning by saying that God loves you. God loves you. Right where you're at in this place today, you're known and loved by God. You're just going to have to live with that, okay? (laughs) My hope as we spend time together this morning is that you encounter his love, and then we all get to know Jesus a little better. Okay, quick show of hands. How many here have life all figured out? Okay, um, how many fully understand Christianity and Jesus and the Bible? Okay, Um, how about this? How many of you have ways in which you would like to grow as a person? How many want to live a meaningful life and make a positive difference in the world? Okay. Um, That can be an important reality to point out when a bunch of folks get together for church. (laughs) Would you agree? We are all still in process. Um, A special welcome to any of you who have questions about faith, who have doubts about Christianity, uh, who are unfamiliar with the Bible, and who think people who follow Jesus can be a bit sketchy. You are our honored guest today. Thanks for being here. Today we conclude our series of talks about the Bible called The Good Book. In this series, we've been exploring the overarching theme of the Bible, unpacking the eight major ideas found within its pages, and discovering our own place within its story. Today's talk is titled, God's Message for You. Uh, There are Bibles under several of the seats in front of you. Uh, We'll also display passages on the screens, and there's a notes page in your bulletin just in case a round of hangman seems like the better option. Uh, There are 66 books in the Bible divided into two major sections, the Old and the New Testaments, written by several authors in various locations spanning centuries between the first writings and the last. Over the course of the last eight weeks, we've studied different parts of the Bible. It seems fitting, then, on this All Saints Sunday to conclude with the final books of the Bible, a number of letters written to the first followers of Jesus, those who've gone before us. In this talk, we'll take a look at the recipients, at the writers, and at the message of those letters. Let's jump in with a question. If I could pass on a bit of wisdom to those whom I most love, what would I say? If I could pass on a bit of wisdom to those whom I most love, what would I say? What would you share with those folks about what matters most in life? To help prime the pump, I looked at some words of advice given by people who were at least 90 years old when they were asked that same question. Here are a few nuggets of wisdom they shared. Uh, Number one, your life is delicate, and if you neglect yourself, you'll spoil. That's what cheese taught me. (laughs) It's good wisdom. Uh, Number two, when it comes to chocolate, resistance is futile. Number three, make not-so-pleasant tasks pleasant. Look at the stars when you take out the trash. Isn't that good? I love this next one. Take a look. An occasional extravagance can replace a year of therapy. 
<laughs> and here's the last one. I don't know how it's accomplished, but take a look at five. Don't die too early. <laughs> That's centuries of wisdom right there. So consider again, if you could pass on a bit of wisdom to those whom you most love, what would you say? This morning, we're covering the letters that make up the last part of the Bible. How many of you have received a handwritten letter at some point in the last year? Okay, just take a quick look around. Some, but not, not an overwhelming amount. It's such a gift, isn't it? It's such a gift. In part, that's because it's so uncommon these days. We receive texts and emails and phone calls like crazy. We receive things in hard copy as well, but it's mostly junk mail. So to receive a handwritten letter is something special because it's so uncommon and because the writer had you in mind, not just for 30 seconds, but for as long as it took to put pen to paper to share their heart with you. It's special. By the way, that feeling of joy and surprise at receiving a handwritten letter was the same in biblical times as it is today. So let's first look at the recipients of these letters. The recipients were real, everyday people, people like you and me, people who sometimes needed to be told in a letter, hey, when you have a potluck at church, make sure everybody gets some food. Oh, and don't get hammered. Uh, people who sometimes received a letter that started, my dear fellow Christians, known and loved by our Heavenly Father, whose donkey kicked you in the head after I left there last week? Because you've literally forgotten everything I told you. People who sometimes got a letter that said, if you hear about something that can make a positive difference in the life of someone around you, go ahead and do that thing. Hashtag blessed to be a blessing. These recipients were normal, everyday people who often made mistakes. But they were also people, like you and me, who sometimes got life right, who sometimes said just the right thing at the right time and saw it make a huge difference in the life of a friend. People who, over time, more often turned to prayer than fear when life got messy. People who, with lots of practice and humility, were able to lay down their prejudices and welcome others into the family of God the way they had once been welcomed. Do you hear me, church? These were everyday people, just like you and me. Men and women and children, young and old, from different cultures, different nations, different races, some who were free and some who were slaves. A handful who were quite wealthy, more who were blue-collar, and quite a few who were incredibly poor. Some were religious folks, many were not. They were city officials and military families. They were prostitutes and tax collectors. They were full-fledged Roman citizens, but they were also refugees and immigrants. These are the followers of Jesus who made up the first churches. And these are the types of people who received these letters. When we take into consideration all those who follow Jesus today, as well as the saints who have gone before us, it really begs the question, are we really that different than those folks? Think about our world today. 
recognizing that, that on the hour at different points all around the world, folks will be gathering at a table like this to celebrate Christ who died, Christ who was risen, Christ who was coming again. Are we really that different? What about the writers? Those who wrote the New Testament letters were pretty diverse as well, particularly in personality and communication style. For example, Paul was really bold and direct. He's the type of person who would email you in all caps. Okay? Those of you who like a direct style of communication will really enjoy Paul's letters. He just gives it to you straight. Um, Peter grew up in a blue-collar family and followed Jesus simply because Jesus told him to. Now, do you remember when you were a kid and you had done something dumb and your parents said, if your friends told you to jump off a cliff, would you? <laughs> Peter would every time. So if you're about pursuing the adventure at 100 miles per hour, Peter's your guy. James, the half-brother of Jesus, grew up with God as an older brother, so no pressure there. <laughs> he only wrote one letter in the New Testament. Um, and, and based on scholarly research, uh, it, it, it's not, it's not uh, far off to think that both with his pen and with his tongue, he was a man of few words. However, he offered steady and consistent and faithful leadership to the early church. So when James had something to say, folks listened. John, who we'll look at today, was the youngest of the original disciples. He was as gentle as Paul was bold. Okay, just like with the Beatles, John was a poet. Now the writers were diverse, but one thing they shared was that they found purpose and meaning in following Jesus. They encountered faith hope, and love in action, and they were now helping others sort out their own newfound faith in Christ. They were compelled to share what matters most in life with people they loved, so they wrote them a letter. All right, so we've briefly looked at the recipients and the writers, so now we turn to the message of the letters themselves. We won't cover all of the letters today because nobody deserves that. Um, instead, we're going to focus on the first letter written by John. In his first letter, John says, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. For John, this is a here's what matters most moment. This is a when it comes to chocolate, resistance is futile moment, okay? To those whom he dearly loves, he's saying, I want you to know that what you've staked your life on is sure. You've placed your faith in Jesus, and now you have eternal life in his name. I ask you again, if you could pass on a bit of wisdom to those whom you most love, what would you say? On November 15th, it will be 18 years since my dad died. Um, after he died, our family began walking through the stages of grief, which included sorting through dad's stuff. Um, at some point during the sorting, my mom came across a computer disk with some documents dad had saved. 
Among those documents was a letter he'd written to me, but had not yet passed along. My mom printed and framed that letter and gave it to me as a gift. Um, the letter's only one page long, and it's entitled, Things I Would Speak Concerning Your Becoming a Man. Can you imagine what it meant for a 22-year-old kid who had just finished college and was going out into the world to receive that letter? Especially in the wake of having lost his dad. Dad knew his health was failing, and he took time to think about me. He wrote one page, not 100% certain that I would ever come across that letter, but hoping that I would. One page containing what my dad considered to be the most important things for me to know in the journey. Like my dad's letter, John's first letter is brief. It's just a few pages long. If you look in your Bible, for some of you, it's, it's not more than a page turn. But it was written to people John dearly loved in the hopes that they would cherish what he considered to be the most important things for the journey. Now, because we can also read John's gospel account in the Bible, it affords us the opportunity to see which themes remained important to him over the course of time. What were the things for John that stuck? We can see, for example, that love was an overarching theme in his life, God's love for us and our love for one another. In John's gospel, written a bit earlier in his life, he talks about God's love for us. This is going to be familiar to many of you. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but will have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. One of the major themes of John's life was that God loves and wants to rescue everyone. That theme carried into his first letter, where we see him once again define what love is. Take a look at this next passage. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. This is how we know. Followers of Jesus in the first century, they knew that already. That's why they followed him. But John wanted to remind them of what mattered most, that God loved them so much that he sent Jesus on a rescue mission to free them from death and give them eternal life. But then he goes on to highlight and underline the significance of God's love coming into their lives. He writes, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. If anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need, but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. This is John saying, you will know God's love has taken hold of you when you follow Jesus' example to love others with action and in truth, this is what matters most. This is what I want you to hold on to and cherish. The way to live most fully is to receive the love of God found in Christ and then to share that love with others. Now, without a doubt, 
the New Testament letters, they can be kind of troublesome unless we realize that they were written to first century people who lived in a completely different culture from our own. However, one of the things I find so compelling about the scriptures is that the message still applies today, doesn't it? Can you think of any circumstance that comes to mind for you where God is saying, I want you to put your love into action? This morning, does anything come to mind for you? The letter from my dad was written in two parts. Because he appreciated organization, everything in the first half was comprised of headings and bullet points and columns. <laughs> Interestingly, everything in that part focused on the Bible. For example, in a column on the left was the word integrity. And in a column on the right, it read, study the life of Joseph. In the left column, on friendship. And in the right column, it read, the Gospel of John. Then a heading that said, on being a good son and a good man, followed by references to a dozen passages found in the letters we're talking about today. My dad believed the best wisdom he could offer was found in the pages of the Bible. Now, the second half of his one-page letter to me was prose. And I want to read you an excerpt. And I'm going to do my best to make it through this. Not going to make it. All right. <laughs> he wrote, It would be an impossible task to take the advice and counsel that would benefit you for your life and reduce it to something you can put on a few pieces of paper. That advice and counsel is far too important to be stated as rules, but needs to come to you and be received by you through acts of loving concern for you as a person and in the light of spiritual watch care of your soul. I could point you to many men from the annals of history who would, by their valiant deeds, be but weak examples of lifestyle for you. I can pick no one man for you to imitate, nor would I ever want you to be like me. Rather, I present a feeble effort to point you to the one who holds every moment of your future in his hands. So, if in the future you ever ask me for advice, I would tell you up front that I can only hurt, grope, seek, and search with you for answers to life. And that maybe I can direct you into a closer walk with your Lord and Savior. Above all, remember to follow Christ. This is the part where I gather my wits. <laughs> Isn't that powerful, you guys? Um, listen, you may not have a letter from mom or dad to guide you, but you're not without hope. Um, in John's first letter, he summarized the greatest truth he'd found 
that God created and loves each and every one of us and that we will find eternal life in following Jesus. Each of the letters in the Bible, indeed, each of the stories, the poems, the histories, and the gospel accounts, they were written by people who loved God and wanted to share wisdom and grace and truth with people they dearly loved. What's more, because the Bible is inspired by God himself, he is speaking the same wisdom, grace, and truth even today through the pages of this good book to people he dearly loves, people like you and me. As we conclude this morning's talk, I have a challenge for you. We'll take a few minutes to reflect on today's challenge before we respond through communion and prayer and song. The challenge is this. Handwrite a letter this week to someone you love. In my dad's letter to me, he said, it's not about a bunch of rules. Instead, it's about caring for you as a person. Would you agree with me that that's both wise and humble? (laughs) Um, The letter you write this week is not about handing down a bunch of rules or offering unsolicited advice. We have Facebook and Instagram for that. (laughs) It's about reaching out in an uncommon and meaningful way to someone you love. Listen, if you're not ready to jump into timeless truths about resisting chocolate or learning life lessons from cheese, that's okay. Just pick up the pen and let them know that you're thinking about them and that you love them. It'll make a difference. So that's your challenge this week, okay? Handwrite a letter to someone you love. Again, let Facebook take care of the unsolicited advice, let them know you care and that you're thinking about them. Now, you may already, in the last 60 seconds, know who you're going to write to. Go ahead and write their name down on your notes so you don't forget. If you're not sure, during communion and response time, ask God to bring that person to mind. Sound like a deal? So that's it. It's our whole series on the good book. Um, you might remember when, uh, when I preached the first time in the series, I, I kind of laid out a list <laughs> of, of reasons historically over time why I've followed Jesus. Things like, well, because my parents did. Hey, I'm grateful for that. That's why we celebrate things like All Saints Sunday. Um, I also wrote... Um, because I didn't know what to do with a sense of guilt and shame for wrong things that that I'd done. Um, One of them that I wrote that was probably more honest than than you would have liked was I said, at a certain point in my life, I followed Jesus for the paycheck. (laughs) It was honest. But you may recall that the, the, the last two points that I landed on and where I currently reside in faith is that I follow Jesus because he's never let me down and because he loves everyone. Think about what you've seen on the news in the last week. (laughs) 
Think about the plans you have for Tuesday. (laughs) Here's the thing. God loves everyone. The folks folks who received those first letters, they were as diverse as our present world. And nobody was left out from receiving the message that they are loved by God and that they can find a life worth living through Jesus. Amen? Amen? Pray with me if you would. Heavenly Father, thanks for loving us. Thanks for loving us. Every one of us, without exception. Thank you. Thank you for giving us examples to follow. Thank you for folks who wrote letters to encourage not only the first followers of Jesus, but to encourage us today in our faith. Thank you that sometimes the messages were challenging and and were harsh. (laughs) And thank you as well that there were turns where it was just a gentle word. God, as we consider the impact and the import of the Bible in our own lives, help us to trust that we'll find you within its pages. Help us to believe in the name of Jesus and in so doing find eternal life. Lord, and help us write letters of biblical proportions. That would be awesome. (laughs) We love you, Father, and we are grateful for who you are. We bless your name, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and we bless the life that is in you. And all God's people said, amen. Amen.